Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, this is Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? We're coming to you from Kansas. We're hanging out in deer camp right now on the couch, getting ready to leave because I don't know if we have a whole lot more to do here, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could shoot some does maybe, but outside yeah. of that, yeah. um, you know, Tyler, mm-hmm. I guess we're letting cats out of bags right now. Yeah. Uh, the we bagged a few cats. We a couple dogs actually. Cat yeah. daddies. Um, <laughs> Tyler's killed five bucks this year. I have oh. killed three as of yesterday. But we're not gonna talk about him yet. No. That's See, here's the thing, soon. y'all. Is we've been hunting so much. Mm-hmm. We hadn't been able to. I mean, between running the wire to hunt stuff and our YouTube channel, the podcast stuff. You know, we've been trying to get these stories to you. Also. Q&As have been coming out like crazy. We wanted to make sure and supply you guys with the ammunition you needed for the rut. And you asked for certain ammunitions by asking and submitting questions. And we we answered them. And I have an impromptu idea. Yeah. Should we solicit yet again hmm. for southern rut questions Whoa. and say we put out a podcast the first week of December that's all about the southern rut, ruts yeah. in the south? You want to do that? Rutherns. Yep. Y'all send us questions on Instagram. If you hunt in the South, or think about hunting in the South, which you should. Which, I mean, and generic rut questions can work then, too, mm-hmm. you know. So, if it's not like, if you're not like, oh, what do I do in a pine plantation or whatever, right? It's all right if you're just like, well, should I rattle, you know, at this stage or this whatever, you know. Yeah, and so. if you got, we have hunted up north some but not really late season but you know if you got something you want to ask us you know you want to ask us some late season questions or whatever you can do that too mm-hmm. but those q and a's are fun and they're good and i think that 
it seems that everyone has benefited by them. Yeah, we've, we've received some messages from some people, uh, including our good buddy Nick, um, who killed a wall hanger recently on some public land. And there was a lot of uh, – I appreciate this and don't feel super um, – like a super big part of it, but apparently people feel like their Q&As have helped them kill some bucks recently, which is pretty cool. That's what my that's what I aim to do. Shoot, man, right? it's good questions as much as it is good answers. You know, yeah. like we have some experience, but like <clears> – <throat> The thought-provoking questions are really what makes those Q&As good, is mm-hmm. that people ask stuff that we might think of as either second nature or not even consider and have to sit there and ponder it for a while, and we're all kind of thinking about what we would do in that situation together. Mm-hmm. You know, the the old the meme of, um, you've probably seen, like, Tyler likes it. It's like a person standing next to a mural of some people laughing, and they're laughing too, and it's like, me hanging out with my favorite podcasters on the podcast, you know, and that's actually what we're all doing. You know, y'all are listening to us. You, you, you don't get to say a whole lot because, you know, you're in uh, Kentucky right now, but um, uh, we are all thinking about this Apparently stuff they're in Illinois. They are in Illinois. There's a lot of Illinois listeners, man. Is, it's man. crazy. I, I bet they making fun of us for sure. Probably so. Um, no, I, that is, that's a good idea. And I think that, um, you know, because of those Q&As, we've been unable to kind of fulfill uh, what we like to do on the podcast, which is tell the stories of some of these hunts, which is a way for us also to give out information <laughs> Call those stunts. about like what worked on those deer, right? What worked for the deer that we have shot? <laughs> I was looking for my water cup while I go, could not find it. Thank you, Michael. Man, he brought it to me. Nice He's guy. a nice dude. I put it on top of the refrigerator when I went outside a little ago. He's got more nicknames than anybody in this world, man. Yeah. What's his newest one? Uh, I don't remember. What was it, Michael? Mike. Yeah, because we were yeah. putting a, we were putting one of these little fluffy things that the diverts the wind from from blowing out a mic on a GoPro, and it, it's like a little fluffy thing. And we, I was, we we're talking about how you got to put this sticker around the mic hole, the the mic microphone hole. Right, mm-hmm. and Casey thought it was hilarious because he thought I said Michael. Michael, yep. <laughs> so now it's Michael. That's yep. him. <laughs> it's Spike Michael. I don't understand how David. he has so many nicknames. Yep. And it all started with Tony Peterson, I think. It did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's uh, you know, speaking of Michael, thanks, man. <laughs> um, he was on a hunt with you recently, mm-hmm. and he's being a a good team member and helping to pick up. Uh, a bunch of stuff as we're getting ready to leave camp here but uh so he's not on the podcast but you guys had a pretty awesome hunt we did um, we had spent some time in south dakota p-a-h in late september and early october mm-hmm. and um we had some buck encounters i shot a buck um we you probably i don't know if you've they they've probably yeah there's been a little bit of footage that's released on the element channel from that trip the buck that i shot I think is going to be a meat eater video, so mm-hmm. that'll be on the meat eater YouTube channel, twenty sixth uh, or the twenty eighth, something can't. like that, yeah. like late this month. Um, so if you're not subscribed there, make sure you are. Uh, you want to be one of the one point three million that are subbed there, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's going to release then. I think uh, we actually are supposed to talk with our friend um, about that today. But the the there wasn't any more South Dakota videos I don't think made from that trip, uh, so you guys decided to go back later in the month, and it was the cold front. I didn't kill a deer in that trip. That's why. I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, so um, I still had a tag. I didn't want to sound like a jerk by saying that, so I was. I was. I oh, you're I not a jerk by saying the facts that I yeah. can't kill one. No, it wasn't that you did, couldn't kill one, but that you wanted to shoot a big one. Yeah. Um, well, you and, know, uh, on that first trip, uh, passed an opportunity 
that I probably could have killed on, but it was like kind of, it was, I mean, it was still legal light, but it was questionable on if. Um, Your pins are looking pretty fuzzy at the pretty, time. It, was a, it would be a, <laughs> a bad decision to take the shot, so yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you got to make, make those decisions sometimes because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, legalities are set by people who don't have the same ethics as you do, Oh, Casey. ethics, wow. Um, um, so, but anyway, you decided to go back and you you based that trip around a cold front that some would call a perfectly timed cold front. I have said several times, and you agree, I think, that it was a great cold front, but that it wasn't perfect. You could and look at this from a, bu- a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. Any cold front from about October 25th through the end of the year is pretty perfectly timed mm-hmm. because cold fronts are good. And I mm-hmm. think that's where people are coming at that from. Yeah, It's like, it's it's great. I'm glad it's here. It's a great time of year to have a cold front. Mm-hmm. But the perfectly timed cold front is probably on November 3rd. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then you have like the 3rd through the 7th that just stay really cold, like bring it on. Yeah. Which we have not had. No, we haven't. Um, um, but I feel like, I feel like when you first got there, when I was talking to you, um, you did, you were pretty, you know, obviously not thinking it's the perfect cold front or whatever, uh-huh. but like thinking that this is awesome. It was. And you're like, oh, this is the time. And then by the end of the trip, I had a kind of a different vibe from you. Really? That it was like not the same amount of stoke that you had and that the deer weren't quite doing what you thought they were the first, like the first day. I had this impression there. because we're going to Canada that <laughs> um, the rut would be a little earlier. Mm-hmm. That's still not the case. But daylight movement was up. Mm-hmm. And it's still awesome. It just it's it's not like the cold front made the rut happen. Yeah, yeah. And I had a little bit of that going on, I think, initially. Mm-hmm. But we saw deer every day. We didn't yeah. have bad sits mm-hmm. the whole trip, you know. So I think uh it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like maybe you were seeing like quite a bit of scraping action and that that was when you were seeing that early on, you thought, "Oh, the rut's kicking." Mm-hmm. But it was it was still like that late October, mm-hmm. what they call scrape week, I guess. Yeah, now or that's whatever. exactly what it was, and it and it, <clears throat> it was good. Um, we, so a good time to kill a deer, just not just kind of hard. The deer aren't in just straight up. Let you get away with anything. Rattle mm-hmm. at them and get them to come to that's you. Exactly right. right. They don't in. move a ton. Yeah. Like uh, mid November, you got deer that are going miles every day, mm-hmm. and at that time of year, those deer are just kind of making their tight little loops and still just patrolling their area because they've already found does and they just hang out there until those does come in and then different things happen mm-hmm. so what was going on then is that um we were seeing deer but it was still even though it was super cold it was kind of on the shoulders of um morning and evening you know like you'd have but you'd have daylight movement but it wasn't it wasn't cruise time yet you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm-hmm. for sure well the first day we showed up we got there pretty late and I had the intention of going in really far into a place the next day. That was like why we when we went up there. But it was so far. I mean, it's almost too far to make in one day. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. It mm-hmm. is a terrible drive. I mean, you. I felt bad for you, man. Well, that's I, all right. Because I, I, I don't know. Trips like that kind of stress me out. Or it's like, you know, when, it, when you're talking about like over twelve hours in a day of driving, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit like. I'm I am going to Canada. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, dude, we were pushing the twenty hour mark. You yeah. know, like is it was it's you for sure are about to see some maple leaves. You yeah. know, like it, it is like that. And so you get real tired, real fatigued, 
you show up late to your motel and you don't have what it takes to organize for the hunt the next day. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We we showed up really late. Uh, we had a great trip. Uh, Michael's tough to deal with on the road, but I just mm-hmm. listened to a bunch of podcasts, so I didn't have to talk to him. Yeah, you know? put your headphones uh, in. That's right. Actually, um, that's all a joke. Um, it was World Series time, you know, and we were watching the Rangers just put the whoop the snot out of Diamondbacks every day. Um, so that was fun. Um, and Michael's a funny guy, man. He is pretty funny. Uh did, did Mysel come from that trip, or was that more Mysel recent? Mysel was in Kansas last time. We were okay, here. okay. Yeah. <laughs> what came from? <laughs> Nifle in there. Nifle. <laughs> like it was one of, it's one of those uh, fatigued sayings Yeah, comes out. I do this thing where like taco I, milk. I say really silly things <laughs> whenever I'm tired. Like, because I talk fast, and I talk faster than my brain can process the words sometimes, <laughs> and that's what, what goes on. So we got up there really late, made the decision to hunt a different property the first day, um, that's, uh, not as hard to get into, um, not near as, so I personally don't like to do any camping if it's below freezing, Mm -hmm. if I can avoid it. It's just a good way to have a terrible morning, not have all your stuff ready. Your fingers are cold, yada, yada. So we, we moteled it, right? But Mm -hmm. that puts you, um, to where you're going to drive some in the morning. I'd rather have five hours of good sleep than six and a half of cold kind of dookie sleep. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that, that was kind of our... Our thing, and and at this time of year too, the uh, days are a lot shorter, so you get pretty good sleep, even if you have to drive quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier in the month, it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't get back to the house, eat, and go to bed in time to get six hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Um, so early season's rough, man. It is, man. The um, we hunt at a place that's a easier access that morning. We get in a little bit late still because we're organizing and doing all this stuff. I probably backstared, or you know, Michael and I tend to just joke around and not getting to places early but it's all right let's it let us kind of um find the right tree and we were in it and we were almost hung in time what what's he looking dude, at his legs are so pale yeah dude <laughs> they are <laughs> i just it, noticed that sorry michael dude, if you're from it's right, his upper body looks good does it he's got the he uh, got the nose tan from yesterday yeah he did um <laughs> well uh Sorry. We, he was attaching the camera arm to the tree, and we have a spike going underneath us. Yeah, I know. He was slobbering. It's funny. I watched his video yesterday, and in every interview he says, well, me and KC got in here a little late. It's what he, <laughs> but it's what he thinks is late. It's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah, I've convinced him. He realizes, like, there's no reason to be in the tree an hour early, man. Yeah. You just sit there and smelling stuff yeah. up. You can just freehand the spike that comes in while That's you're right. setting up. That's right. Um, no, it was just super <laughs> thick in there. We It took us – 20 minutes to get back into that spot and it's only 500 yards from the truck you know you're picking your way through trying to be quiet and i don't know it, it, we would just end up going a little deeper than i expected us to to find the right tree but it was good but we saw deer moving bed to food still and bucks that were not doing the cruise thing but they were with those and they were checking scrapes on the way back to bed and Michael also has a tag on this trip, so we're bringing two bows on a lot of this stuff, and his standards are a little different than mine, uh, and that's a good thing because uh, shooting deer is fun, yeah, right? Is, and dude. Michael likes to have fun. He's going to shoot a two-year-old if he has the opportunity. Uh, I'm thinking, hey, I just drove 17 hours up here, um, and you know, I'm kind of uh, just have this responsibility to kind of make this trip worth it. So I'm going to hold out for a, a little bigger deer, which actually is really good because we can go to every hunt with optimism that good chance we kill a deer. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we see a Michael shooter like right off the bat, 300 yards away, checking the scrape, and he's working the direction that we are, the same direction that deer just came. So we're like, oh, it is on. Let us go. Let Michael us. gets his bow. We do the camera swap. I become cameraman. And then that deer just disappears into the bedding, and we never see him again that day. It was kind of a weird thing. It's a thing we were noticing happening, especially in that little area, is that uh, those bucks would eat. They would check a scrape on the way back to bed. Sometimes, and then they were getting to their bedding. Yeah. They weren't Even though it was cold. Around. Yeah, it was, it was cold. But I think it was like the 27th that day. That sounds about right. Or maybe 28th. It was 28th that day. I think, and, uh, and you know, I kind of thought that we'd see a little bit more ruddy action, but I think at that point in the year, it's all about the smell and the air. If there's a doe that kind of is a little bit early, things can get going pretty quick, but those bucks aren't. Uh, a 1.5 might try to force it, force it a little bit, but those two-year-olds, they've been through it one year. They kind of know, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, eh. And these are, I know it's all relative, right, but these are like big deer mm -hmm. at two, like, Eight points with swole necks, you know. Yeah, they they also got that square body kind of mm -hmm. look, just because they eat so much. Mm -hmm. It's They're it's fat. weird, like it's weird because in the summer in Texas, deer, um, like they have some stuff to eat till about July, and then it's like, yeah, they got stuff to eat, but it's not the same. Like if you go if you go to South Dakota mm -hmm. in the summertime in August, mm -hmm. like. Yards have like what Bermuda grass, it's or whatever it is, it's just like just green as it gets. Mm -hmm. And our yards are all brown and toasted. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that the summertime food leading up to that October freeze mm -hmm. is like good on that landscape. Oh, yeah. There. Well, we they talked get about that rain. with uh, Matt and Adam at Landing Legacy quite a few times. You know, most places the limiting factor uh, or the limiting season for food availability is late winter, which where we live, it's actually late summer mm -hmm. because that's whenever there's nothing on the landscape because it's all brown, dead, or eaten. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, up there you don't have that. Those deer are just putting it on. And I have an interesting tidbit about that at the end of this story, right? But um, so those deer are fatties, and we're trying to kill one bad. So that <laughs> – and this is all corresponding to the cold front, right? Very, very cold that morning, no precipitation yet. But midday that day, the snow blows in, and it's it's getting it. I mean, actually, while we were in the tree, the snow blew in. We had some really cool, like, I mean, we're from Texas, right? You get a snowflake on film, it's like getting a booner on a truck camera. Yeah, You know dude. what I'm saying? Like, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And, Slow and, motion. Yeah, Holy, dude. 120 dude. snowflakes, let's go. Doesn't get better, dude. Come on now. So, um, Man, y'all ain't never seen nothing The snow like goes this. to coming in, and uh, – we're like, okay, these deer are going to be on the food tonight. Let's go hit a food source. I'd found this little um, state-planted food plot of turnips that was pretty – it's where I ended my last hunt, and I almost got a shot at a really nice buck there. And I was like, let's go there. Well, we show up over there and hunt, and uh, it's kind of lackluster hunt. And this is a thing. Y'all might have some takes on this, and if you know more about the turnip stuff, uh, tell us about it on social. Um, but all the tops were kind of frostbit. And they kind of were mushy, you know. and uh, But there's a lot of turnips underneath. But the deer just didn't really hit them. We had a couple spikes kind of run by, but they were not run by, but like kind of cruised through. And I think they were kind of doing the scrape thing more than they were eating the turnips. But those, those turnips just were not the spot. They say that the like the roots, roots of the turnip will get like sugars that 
go into it, when it whenever. Yeah. Right. I wonder if it's like not quite happened. I wonder. You know, once I, the frost, it takes like a few days. Or you know, a week I saw a thing on on an infograph the other day though that said that was kind of a a, a misconception that hmm. the as soon as the roots develop, they have the sugars. But I I don't know either way. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure that people have different thoughts on it. But either way, they weren't hitting them like they were. I mean. That was the thing in early October, you know, and me, we hardly can even get a brassica to grow where we live, mm-hmm. you know, so um, it's hard. To, I don't know too much about them, about how to hunt them and this, that, and the other, but that was not the move. They all got snowed on while we were there. It was a cold, snowy night, and we didn't see much of anything, which made me sad. Um, mm-hmm. But what was nice is that the road was frozen, so you could, like, drive out of there. If it was wet and muddy, it might be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day, we went back and got some good sleep, watched the Rangers win like game three. You know, it was awesome. And uh, we were eating Neil Guy taco meat the whole time we were there. Just hammered down, dude. And uh, we um, were uh, just eating good, living good, sleeping good, you know. And uh, got up early the next morning and headed out to our long trick. And we're doing a bunch of hunt math. Of like, we have to get up at this time. It takes this long to get ready. We have to go this far. We have to get gas in the morning, yada, yada, yada. And then it takes this long once you get to the property to drive to the place you're going to park. And then you have to walk in. And then you have to maybe hang a set. All this, we do all this math. And we still are 30 minutes behind once we get <laughs> back there. And this is like me trying and, and, and hitting my goals of time. But there's just, we had like a hiccup with something. I can't remember what it was. Um, like might have forgot something and had to go back to the truck. I don't know. But there was like a thing where we lost 15 or 20 minutes uh, in that morning. And you almost have to account for that. It's kind of like uh, if if it takes eight hours to get somewhere in the truck, you can hit that pretty close. But if it takes 10 hours, you're looking at like 11 or 11 and a half. You know, like there's just like this – there's this hill that you can't really get over of like you got to stop and eat at least once or mm-hmm. twice. And you got to get two more <clears> – <throat> There are two stops of gas instead of one, and in that it's going to take longer. You're going to have to talk to somebody at the gas station, you know, whatever. Um, so that's kind of how this place was. It was like a big drive for us, and so it's just so far that it's hard to time it all out correctly. Um, we get back, and it's and we pretty much are there for glassing time more than we are, like actual hunt. And I, this has been a little while, so I'm sorry if, if I'm a little bit fuzzy on my details, but we were going to go in and try to hang in a tree anyways. And, Michael, did we end up hanging in a tree that morning? No, we ended up walking around and doing the the, the uh, still hunt type thing because we bumped. We actually just looked at footage of this deer while ago. I thought he was like kind of like a schmedium. He's pretty nice. I probably would have shot him. Mm-hmm. So we bumped that deer kind of <clears throat> right at first shooting light, crossing the creek. That made me sad. And then we kind of did a setup. We did some rattling, no answers. And we're going to, like, work our way around this hill kind of in the shady side so we can't be seen and do some glassing and looking around. And uh, we are doing that. Michael has pretty good eyes. Um, and Michael, while I'm looking afar, spots a forky at, like, 200 yards. Hey, you know, I, we, I think he did the thing, the click thing. So I like to do clicks. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's my way to get people's attention if they're pretty close because it's a pretty natural sound. And I think he did that and pointed. There's a, a forky at like 150, something like that. It's just on the other side of this creek. 
and we were watching it, and it's just hanging out. I ain't doing much. I'm like, he's about to bed over here. And then I can see, like, tines behind the brush over here. I'm like, oh, look at that. And uh, kind of start getting excited, glassing it up. There's a really nice eight-point, big-bodied deer. I think he was kind of one of those deer that is on the – the lower end of the genetics when it comes to antlers. I think he was probably four year old, four year old at least, and he, but he only had like a 120 inch eight point frame. You know, not super big, but a deer I'm shooting for sure, uh, absolute shooter. You know, and so uh, I'm thinking a hundred things, right? Of it, it ranges from what should I do right now to how does this affect what I do three days from now? You know, and mm. and I think a lot of us deer hunters deal with that when you see a buck and it's new information and you have to process all that and i'm watching and i'm thinking okay i need to see if this deer's going to bed here if they're checking scrapes or why these two bucks are out there is there a doe over there i don't see and what ends up transpiring is that those bucks are just in there it's a very scrapey area it's kind of like the opposite of a stage it's like bedding staging pretty much so like they went in there and hung out scraped around and then they're going to go bed somewhere else later. While we're watching them, I see a ginormous buck and another small buck come from far, far off. They check a scrape on a landmark tree that if you were sitting in, you would have shot a giant buck, a big 10-point, and um, they come and meet up with these. Well, the two big deer square off and do the puff-up thing, and the 8-point is more dominant. He kind of... Uh, submitted the other they didn't they didn't fight but the the big 10 point submits to him that big 10 point might have been a three-year-old or he's uh no older than four but he had a lot of mass he's really big like if i saw him boasting in there i'd shoot the 10 mm-hmm. even though he's younger um and uh so i'm like well this is interesting and there's no way for me to like cut these deer off we watch them kind of like get all weird and fun and frolicky and they just like run up over the hill and go through just deer in in the plains do different stuff than deer in the cover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these deer just ran across the open, not fast, just kind of working their way across for like 300 yards. And like in East Texas, ain't a chance. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. 
book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Those deer aren't doing that. They are going to be in the thick. They're going to walk the creek bottom before they do, you know, in the water. And so, uh, we have a real good idea of where they went and we're like, well, that's cool. Um, so we can go cut those deer off in the evening. And, um, our plan was to do exactly that. We went up on the hill to glass for the midday, eat our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I think I had some chicken strips, which were a good move that I'd got from a fast food joint or something. They were tasty. And, uh, we just kind of hung out midday, laid in the sun, got warm. It's kind of nice, actually, because it was very cold that day. I mean, it was like, I don't think it ever got above 28, but you could get kind of out of the wind in the sun and lay there and just bask like a big old walrus, you know? Mm -hmm. It was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the days are short, so you only do that for like an hour, hour and a half. Got some phone service. It's a nice time to kind of just chill and look around, glass. We glassed our way back. We moved kind of like midday and glassed the area we were going to go down into and we saw that forky or no there's another deer i don't know where he came from but we saw him and uh he was with a doe kind of bumping her around a little bit i was like well that's good to see and then we went to go ahead and move down into the bottom we weren't going to spook those deer and we bump a mature buck off the side of the hill in this bedding stuff that was sad (laughs) and it's just like there's so many deer that you just can't not bump deer and that's been a problem uh, up in this area mm-hmm. it's like there's too many deer that you just i don't want to but it's hard to figure out a way not to bump deer and the only way to do it is to like just be in there really 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 early <clears throat> i guess and you're still probably gonna bump deer you just don't see them because it's dark but we go set up on this place where the deer were going to hopefully go instead of you know food to bed back bed to food and even though it was super cold we did not see a whole lot. The wind got kind of weird where we were sitting. We kind of had this thing, weird dynamic with the hills where it was kind of swirly. But I don't think that affected things too much. We did get smelled by a couple of does that tried to come through. Um, and they smelled us in a spot that I didn't expect them to. So that's when you know it's like my wind's doing some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but right at last light, we had two does and a buck do exactly what they were supposed to do. There's The scrape of all scrapes is at like 50 yards. There's a couple scrapes underneath us and a couple rubs right in here. And that buck was going to work towards us, and he just did not get there in time for shooting light. And then those does that were right in front of him ended up smelling us right at 
the end of shooting light, and they ran off. Ends up this buck's pretty recognizable. He's big. It's very late, but I'm glassing him through snow, and he's got a big throat patch. I see he's got a big frame, and that, that's about all I could tell from him. So I knew he's mature, like as soon as I saw him. And I could hear his antlers up in that uh, tree, you know, whenever he's scraping around. That's a cool sound. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very hype sound. <clears throat> mm-hmm. The snow is weird, too, because it kind of, like, muffles distant sound, but you can still hear really good close. Mm-hmm. So it's very quiet and very crisp sound. Um, so we got out of there that night. And, again, we decided that we needed to – we'd bump some deer, so we're going to let that place rest for a day. We were going to go back and chase some deer around with Michael. Michael was – on. We made the move that morning. We were set up right over this scrape. This is next morning, right? We set up right up over over this scrape where the big buck from two days ago had checked that scrape. We get in the tree. Everything's good. We have a spike and a yearling underneath us, like spitting distance. It's awesome morning. And then we see two shooter bucks, two two two-year-olds, big eight points, pop out from the food source, and they're working down this tree line right to us. And they got a big old bunch of bedding grass here on their their the deer's right, our left, right? So either side, so they have a tree line, and it's tall grass, and they're just walking down this transition line. I'm like, oh, they're going to come right to this scrape. It's about to go down. Whoa! I'm like, maybe I should shoot one of these. I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, they just do not check the scrape. They do not come over there. They stay... 85 yards from us and they have no clue where in the world the wind is perfect for us and um they just hook right into their bedding they do like a little j-hook thing that you hear about makes you mad because i don't like to believe in such nonsense (laughs) but it's a thing some places for sure Mm -hmm. they just came hooked down to the downwind side of where they were going to bed and they followed a trail right through the tall grass into this island of trees out there and uh no shots, and it was painful to watch. Mm-hmm. But then finally we went and set up on them that evening. Long story short, deer comes by at last light at 50. Michael grunts at him, and no go. Hmm. He, he comes to us but then runs off. Um, so fun times. Yep. Back to the uh, drawing board. Yeah, back. well, back to the deep place we go the next day. Yeah. And uh, we have some ideas, some thoughts about what we need to do because we were in there two days before that. It's pushing ever closer to the rut, so we're thinking, oh, it's getting ruddy. Mm -hmm. We go and set up, and we picked out a tree and everything. We set up in that staging area in the baddest killing spot you've ever seen, dude. I mean, it was – I will set up in that tree again. There's scrapes around. All trails go by this tree at 30 yards, I mean, or less, and it's bad to the bone. And no deer do the thing that morning that they did the morning before. However, Michael's like, hey, don't forget. <laughs> um, at probably five minutes before sunrise. Hey, I'm, I'm going to make me a lunch too, just so you know. It's a real frosty day. Like, real cold, real frost. I think it's 17 that morning. And, uh, you know, it's damp from the snow. So, it's just a bunch of frost. And it's just picturesque. The wind's not blowing too bad, so we're staying pretty warm. And... Um, we see a, a Mondo. At first, uh, saw him in my eyes at first. was like, oh, it's a nice deer. And then you put your glass on him like, oh, he's getting bigger. And then he turns his head and you're like, okay, he's pretty big. Um, we got to go now. Yeah, we're in the tree. So he's across the creek. 
he's working our way. I know where there's a creek crossing, like a major creek crossing that he's headed towards. I'm like, oh, he's going to go right there, and he's going to come over here, check these scrapes, we're going to shoot him, and we're just going to have a party. And um, he's like checking two or three scrapes over there, and then all of a sudden this deer just disappears. We don't know where he went. I was trying to get my bow. Like it was bow grabbing time at this point in time. He's like 95 yards away. And I'll grab my bow. I'll look back, and I can't find the deer. I asked Michael, hey, where'd he go? He's like, I don't know. He just, like, kind of disappeared. And I thought, I was like, man, maybe he bedded right there. He's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's, like, not even sunrise yet. And then I never crossed, thought never crossed my mind again. Long story short, he bedded right there at, like, 745 or whatever time. Y'all got it on video, too, right? I don't know. Did we get? You told me, you texted me that uh, apparently y'all, like, looked away for a second, but the camera has him bedding on video. Maybe. I can't really remember. Probably so. so. But y'all yeah. didn't know that till after yeah, something else happened. Yeah, because at 11, we hadn't seen any deer, and I decided to rattle, and that deer gets up from his bed right there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And uh, But it was weird because he didn't really react to the rattling that much except for him standing up and just checked scrapes and worked his way out of our lives the other direction. So he didn't, he wasn't too much into the fight, and that was a theme the week. The rattling just was not working at all. I was very surprised. No, even the big bucks were not into fights. They didn't want no snort wheezes. They didn't want no rattles, nothing. Um, so we break our stuff down, head up to the hill, do the same thing midday. We see a buck cruising midday. He's not on a place that we can really get to, uh, but it's kind of like a little hope as to, hey, it's kind of turning on right now. And this is this is uh, Halloween, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's the day that a lot of Midwesterners are like, all right, starts this day. Um, so we're, we talk – we're like, hey, let's go get um, – oh, the first day, midday that we did this, there was a whole, like, stalk that we went on that I didn't even talk about. We don't have time. But we were stalking a giant eight-point with some does, and a coyote messed the whole thing up. Uh, they were stalking the deer, too. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, anyways, back to uh, the 31st. Uh, we were like, hey, we need to get in there early. Uh, so we dropped down uh, – to the side of the hill, we're glassing where we're going to go set up that evening. We kind of have a plan of what we're going to do. Uh, and sure enough, we see some does kind of doing a weird thing early in the day. And then the big buck from that morning is behind them like 200 yards. He's like not bumping them, you know, but he probably got them up out of their bed and he's just kind of following their center around. And we watch him, we glass him, and he's just going down this creek and crosses the creek and we kind of see him disappear into this big <coughs> habitat pocket that's like a half mile away. And I'm like, all right, I'm tired of messing around with these guys. We're going to chase them. So <laughs> we drop down off the hill into this creek bottom and make a big one-mile loop. We get down in the creek and walk way, way around to get the wind right because there's a wind change that day. So we got the wind right for us. We come in from the backside on them. We're being super sneaky, like walking on ice and doing all kinds of wild things, walking through the water, making, you know, being real quiet. And, uh, we come up over the, you know, the creek bank, and there's another secondary bank up there a little higher. We, like, sneak up there. We're going to drop our packs right there. And as I'm, like, dropping my pack, we hear, Whew! And apparently our sneaking was too good. We got too close to the deer. I thought we were going to be. So you are doing some Mohican sneaking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Blackfeet sneaking up there, I think, in that yeah, part, that part of the country. Right. Yeah. Um, but time for Black Friday. That's right. Oh, wait, that's a month earlier. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Ellen Podcast brought to you by First Light Gear. Black Friday sales coming up. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, cats out the bag. Yeah. They, everything cats out the bag on this. That's dude. right. Cats are out of the bag. Um, 
I thought we were going to be further ahead of these deer than we were, and we weren't. We bumped them, but they didn't smell us, and this is a thing I'm noticing about deer. If they don't smell you, you're, you're still – you got a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, chill out, drop down, don't make it any worse than it is, but a lot of times they'll run away because they don't know what happened. They're just cautious deer. They might, it might have been a raccoon or something, you know. So they run out to about 120, and he, that buck is still looking. The does are pretty chill, but he's still looking. So uh, I snort weeds at him a few times. And um, he was, you know, he did the long neck thing, kind of looking. And then the second time I did it, he just went to bumping the does around. It kind of like got him like in the mood. And so the does were all over the place. And somehow we did this thing. We dropped our packs. We snuck around. And we were in the mix like 100 yards from the deer a lot. And then they worked the other way, but not really because of something that we did. That's just the direction they were wanting to go. And we kind of did this weird deal where we were accepted by the deer. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe y'all have experienced this before, but there's like, you see deer and coyotes out in the field sometimes together. And like, sometimes the deer are like real concerned with that coyote and sometimes they're not. I think that they just did that thing with us. They're like, uh, not really worried about that right now. And so anytime that we were like 150 yards from deer, we could get away with way more than we should have been able to. Now I didn't do it with the buck. I made sure he had no idea we were there. But there were times when, like, a doe would look at us and we were not moving at her. We were just kind of moving horizontally. I just moved from pocket to pocket and she wouldn't care. But I, I, I didn't I didn't do that haphazardly. I was noticing that they weren't too worried about us. And I was like, we could probably get away with this. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just continued to do that. We kind of just shadowed that buck for, like, two hours. And then we lost him for a while. We couldn't ever get closer, but I was like, man, if we just do this, we're gonna have, we're, it's going to work out. It's early, right? Like, it's the f- three hours before sunset right now. And um, we go up on this little knob that's down in the creek bottom because we can't find him. We're like, well, let's just get up here. Maybe we'll see some deer. We'll make another Because I kind of thought we'd lost him. And then, like, we did that for 30 minutes, watched a big eight point come down the hill, and we're kind of getting hype about him. And uh, he comes down and starts bumping the does around. Well, then, you know, of course, the big buck. It's like, you know what? I don't really like him doing that. So he comes out and starts uh, scraping around on some trees and stuff. And he's like at 180. And uh, we're like, oh, there he is right there. And we think that he's going to go mess with these does. He kind of walks over there. The eight point kind of goes past him. You know, he's kind of like, oh, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe I'm not into those does. And just kind of walks up the trail. And then the big buck kind of just follows that buck up kind of it's kind of side hill top trail or whatever um and he's like rubbing on trees scraping just doing big buck things you know and we're like freaking out a little bit i'm like you know what we're gonna make a move on this deer we're gonna get super aggressive we're gonna kill this thing and so michael and i just use the lay of the land you know and get real low there's one spot we have to get through and then after that we've got cover we make this pretty large loop like a 300 yard kind of semi dash being quiet to get to we're going to cut him off and be about 100 yards from him and he's about to go out of our lives he's following this side hill trail up and it's at the point where it goes up the hill and right before he does that i gave him a couple grunts and he is really interested all of a sudden i'm like oh yeah you know that look right whenever you grunt at a deer and he responds uh in a good way he like kind of takes a step Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yes so i shut up and he couldn't take it. He had to come check it out. And so he's just making his way to us. And he stops every they, – they do this. 
when they hear something, they hear a grunt, they don't see the deer, they'll go 20 to 40 yards and they'll stop and look around some more. So if you're in the situation, be ready for that stop. You know, like there's these tendencies that deer have, like when a dose is being weird, she puts her head down, you can tell she's about to jerk her head right back up and see what you're doing, right? Well, um, and if you're blind grunting, be patient. Oh, man, yeah. Don't, exactly. don't start moving around five minutes later. Yes, they don't run into grunts very often. Mm-hmm. They kind of like come check it out, right? So um, he's doing that stuff. We're getting ready, kind of doing some little micro adjustments. I'm getting some ranges. I range some bushes at like 51, and I'm like, okay, if he comes in front of that, I'm shooting him. And uh, we have a big tree that's like – divinely placed just to go ahead and say it right that's like out there at like 40 that gives us a bunch of cover for this deer when he's walking in it's just a big trunk on like a cottonwood or something and um but i can kind of see him on each side of it every once in a while and then he like turns in and he comes in front of those bushes and i'm like oh this deer's a giant i have to try to shoot him oh no (laughs) you know like it's like oh the whole day has just came to this apex of a moment right and so uh i'm ready i'm rip roaring ready to go i have an air on everything's good michael is over my shoulder filming it's awesome i know the the um bushes are at 51 i have my pin set for 50 and i'm thinking he's at like a little less than that so i shoot um what i think was at least i put my pin kind of right at the bottom of his belly and um Actually, he is walking very slow, and I would not advise doing this, but I did it. Um, <laughs> I, put, I, I I retract my previous statement. I didn't put it on the bottom of his belly. Um, I'm thinking about my next shot. Um, this shot, I put it right at the front of his brisket because he's walking very slow. It's super dead calm. I don't want to grunt stop him. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I shoot, and my arrow left and right is perfect, but it's high. I don't know what I did. Probably just excited, you know, messed, up, pulled the shot or something. But I shot left, um, and if I'd have hit ten inches lower, I'd have smoked him. But I went right over his back, and I was down right away. But that buck was—he <clears throat> was looking for deer, heard a noise, and wheeled out and ran ten yards and stopped. He's like, "Okay, that deer's somewhere." So he's still in the—he's still in it. So you have to stay in. If you miss a deer, stay in it because that doesn't. You don't have to go. Ugh, you know, like it. It ain't like setting the hook on a fish and missing him because he's gone, right? A deer is still there, uh, with a bow at least. He's behind the tree, but I can see his antler kind of like looking around, like what's going on, right? The antler's not looking, but y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> and um, he gives me the time I need to refocus, get another arrow out of my quiver and get ready and he steps back out again same spot and gives me a broadside shot and this time i make it count i put he stops i put my pen at the bottom of his belly just right where it needs to be and i absolutely smoke this thing right in tight on the shoulder but not in the bone and i just see the arrow bury up but i can see it um you know i didn't get a pass through i got about half an arrow of penetration and I'm like, and as soon as it happens, it smoked, and he wheels out. But a weird thing happens, and I don't see blood. He runs out. I can see the arrow fall out, or what I think fall out, ends up being breaks. And he runs out to 150 and just stands there. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is this deer not dying? 
And then he goes like another 50 yards, slow walking, and stops again. And this is like panic mode all of a sudden. I can't get another shot in this deer. I'm not going to stalk him because it's getting a little bit late, and I'm probably going to bump him if I do anything. So we just decided to just leave. You know, we go make a huge loop out and around to get away to where we're not going to bump the deer. And we're like, all right, he's going to be dead in the morning. The shot is good. We're going to just um, come find him. So uh, Michael hunts the next morning, and then we don't kill a deer. And we come in midday to go find this deer. And ends up, um, there's some other hunters there, which I didn't expect to happen. And uh, I kind of felt bad, but I, I, I talked to those guys, are real nice dudes from Michigan, Nate and Jacob. And, uh, Jacob. Jacob, yeah. They were pretty <laughs> naked when we showed up. Uh, <laughs> but um, they, uh, they were, like, real cool. They were like, hey, no problem. You know, we're here. Uh, we'll help you see if you know we can find this deer so we go down to this to the spot of the shot i can't find anything we start just kind of comparing footage to where we think the deer went and finally we find the arrow and it's got pretty good blood on it and we're like okay this is encouraging but there's still not a lot of blood on the ground and then we kind of follow we find a couple specks here and there and then it about near runs out and what is going on man um, and we like start following trails and we can't find the deer. We can't find any stuff. And then all of a sudden he is underneath a tree in the middle of this field, just head up, just doing fine. It's 18 hours later, 18 hours after the shot. I had smoked him absolutely double lung, like no question. And I can't believe it. And my first thought is like, these deer are the toughest things in existence. They are just ridiculously tough. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to finish this deer off. And I'm expecting this deer to blow out and run away and just go out of my life, right? Um, because if he's not dead from that, something's wrong and he's in good shape. I don't know how good a shape he was. Long story short, I stalk up to 30 yards. I have a, fa a favorable wind and I put three more arrows into this deer all three were vital. And I don't know how much of this we're going to show on footage, guys, because some things like this just it's for specific hunting audiences, right? But a lot of people know how this goes. And the deer is still head up. And it's unbelievable. I cannot believe. Now, he's not feeling good, but he's, his head is still up. And I tell Jacob, I was like, hey, man, this is, I don't know <laughs> What's going? He's like, do you want one of my arrows? And I was like, sure. So a as this transpires, the deer's head starts to bob down. So he was going to die pretty quickly. He was losing some blood, but no reason to let him persist any longer than he already has, right? So I sneak up to about 10 yards because he's not feeling good. And finally, I use one of Jacob's arrows because I'm out. I've used all five of my arrows between the day before and that day. Um, and I shoot the deer and um, – he trans or he expires pretty quickly thereafter. But it was just the the wildest ride of a deer hunt I've ever experienced. And he's awesome. He's like probably pushing one forty nine point uh, with decent tine length. He's he's really an eight with an extra inside tine on his left side. Uh, he might be mid one thirties. I don't know. I'm probably not going to measure him because he's just awesome. I don't really care, you know. Um, but just the the boss of the valley 
just the deer that you go up there to shoot, big, giant, square body, four-and-a-half-year-old plus. I don't know how old. They're public land deer. We don't know how old they are or whatever, you know, but he's mature. And he was that caramel color, which a lot of the other deer were brown or gray, and he was caramel. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, he just and he had that huge throat patch. It's the deer that we saw the night before rubbing on the trees. So from an evening hunt to a morning hunt to an evening hunt, we were on the same deer the whole time, and it was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And it made me sad that, I mean, it's terrible that I didn't kill him when I did, but I feel like I did everything right and that I should have. And I'm going to kind of disclose some details about this initial shot. I did gutless method on this deer, so I didn't do an organ check, okay? But, I, you know, we skinned down from the initial entry, entry hole, and the arrow made it all the way through and was poking out <coughs> the opposite side. And um, so a pass-through, not a complete pass-through but a pass-through, right? So it went through the body cavity in a place it was almost halfway down the body. So for sure in the ribs, not in spine at all. So when you say almost, you're saying just slightly above the halfway point. Half, slightly above the halfway point. So I, I have no doubt that it was a double lung shot. I didn't get in there and look around. The, the, the finishing arrow that I shot of Jacob's was an inch behind that one in the same trajectory, and it killed him within 15 seconds. Um, or, effectively, you know. So, so. you were, we we got to go hunt here pretty quick. Um, but Tyler's been freaking me out. He's looking at the timer well, like every five because seconds. Because we're going over for <laughs> sure. Um, and we got to hunt this afternoon, man, because I don't have much time. But um, the, I wanted you to talk about your arrow setup a little bit because mm-hmm. it's different than what you are comfortable shooting at deer. But, you also did get a pass through. It wasn't really the arrow setup's fault as far as like weight and FOC and stuff goes. I was shooting a light arrow, 416 grains. It's my turkey arrow. I messed up my, my sight on my heavier setup on my elk hunt, and I've been shooting that lighter arrow some, and I shoot it pretty good. And so if you put it in the right place, you think you're going to kill them, and, and it should have. Um, but I used a broadhead that I have never shot before. Um, I'm not going to say, I, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to say the, the name of it, but I'll just tell you all the details of it. It is a rear deploy made of titanium two-inch cut, and it has a rubber band on it, okay? It's pretty popular, especially in the Western crowd. It's a remake of one of the old broadheads. Two-blade. Uh, Two-blade, yeah. And so it's got these little things that stick out the side, and it's got a screw, a retention screw, so you can use it as a field point, too. That should give you enough details. Um, so... I shot that deer with that broadhead, and that's where I smoked him. The first one I shot was a Grim Reaper when I missed, and I feel like if I had hit him with that, he was smoked. Um, and um, a couple things happened. The arrow broke off in the body cavity, so it was in there plugging the hole the whole time. And come to find out, I talked to an, uh, an industry person who kind of is on the inside of this kind of stuff, and the design on that broadhead has changed just slightly to where they were um, seeking a wider entry hole, but it has had a adverse effect in that the broadhead sometimes closes inside the body cavity. And I have to believe that's what happened to me because it makes sense. You punch a pencil hole through a lung and then leave the pencil in there, you're not getting a lot out of it. Very, very sad thing to have happen. And I'm not 
in the business of trashing anybody, uh, you know, but I probably won't do that, use that again. Um, so make sure your setups are tuned and it's not just about the weight and all that stuff. You make sure you've got something on the end of it that you have confidence in and that that's kind of a failure by me, but you got to try, if you're going to try something different, you got to try it sooner or later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're always trying to build a better mousetrap and figure out how to kill them. But I don't think that the lightness of the arrow, it actually probably helped me as far as unknown ranges on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, it did not help me to uh, shoot him with practically a field tip. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a long, crazy story with a good ending mm-hmm. uh, with some really low points. I mean, honestly, like having to shoot that deer that many times and having to be like 10 yards from him when he died was just – it wasn't my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of that, but the the having to finish him off was just absolutely not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm glad that I got him. It's it was an epic trip. Totally worth capitalizing on that cold front, even if it isn't quite perfect rut dates. Like it's gonna be good. The deer are gonna be on their feet. They might not be doing the rut thing early, but they're gonna be visible mm-hmm. and it's worth doing mm-hmm. guys we got a lot more podcasts coming. We're about to get out of here, go do some deer hunting, but uh, dead gummit man, we have got a bunch of things that have happened that we need to talk about. So mm-hmm. uh, make sure you're subscribed. If you're not, uh, subscribe on the Element YouTube channel and the Meteor YouTube channel to see a bunch of our hunts coming out soon. Big D are hitting the ground all over, and that needs to be you as well. We just Re- had a video actually release um, on our channel. Um, if you're listening to this, it should have released at least. Um, and it's just me and KC just saying, hey, don't give up on middle of November. People get a little bit wigged out um, once the seventh goes by because there's been some hype in the industry the last few years about how good the seventh can be, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a it comes from the heart of deer country. Um, and we don't all live there. Most of us don't actually. So just remember that things are still happening, including yesterday. KC shooting put could be the biggest deer of his life um, on what the sixteenth, fifteenth. So things are still happening, and I'm telling you. You should not give up on this month. Keep hey. going if you haven't killed a deer. Don't let the Insta- Instagram people there. freak you out. I was there. I was like, it's the 15th. I'm, I'm post. Mm-hmm. And that's not the truth. Yep. Keep a positive mental attitude. They call them PMAs. <laughs> and remember, this is your element. Liberty. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.